we thank Keisha. We thank you for joining in today. We thank you for for taking the time out of your schedule to listen and discuss the Word of God to with us. We we enjoy. You know, I I enjoy it, and I know my wife. She she enjoy us coming together and and just talking about the Bible. And I enjoy. Uh, these chapters of Romans is really good. And uh, this next chapter, I think, is really uh, a really good foundational chapter to really start talking about. And right now, I'm just going to start with a word of prayer, and then we're going to get started. Sounds good to me. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, that you've been so good to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have spared each and every one of us for all hurt, harm, and danger. We thank you, Lord, that you have manifested your, your will and your way in our lives in all aspects. And for that, we submit our lives to you, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have made provisions for us when no other provisions were there to be made. You are a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert for us. And for that, we give you honor, glory, and praise. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. We thank you for keeping us. We ask you, Lord, to continue in this discussion that your name be glorified and each of us will be uh, strengthened and encouraged. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Last week, we talked about showing love when our uh, uh, our neighbors needed the most. In chapter 13, it instructed us to, uh, to strive to live in agreement with the laws of the land and do not believe that we are above the laws or the laws of the land does not apply to us. We should note that loving our neighbor as we love ourselves provides us with a direct example of how we should function in society. The, the Holy Spirit is our anchor and guide to showing love to all men so that the glory of God is revealed in our walk as examples of love. We should always listen to the Holy Spirit for opportunities to provide for the natural man so that the spiritual man can receive the good news message of salvation. You know, we are chosen to reach the lost at any cost and to let them know that Jesus saves. When we encounter someone in our faith that still struggles or deals with spiritual maturity, do not condemn them. Do not make them feel unworthy or falsely, falsely ostracized for what we see them doing. Remember, we all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory according to Romans 3. 22 and 24. They are justified by grace to continue to develop who they are in Christ. You know, Paul's example for food advocation is important due to the culture of the Jews and the Gentiles of that time. God makes a point to address this in Acts 10th chapter 9 through 47 verse and again in the 11th chapter verse 1 through 18. As Peter was placed in a trance and God began to explain to him that all things are clean and not to be afraid to eat food that is set before him. He specifically forbade though, 
anyone to eat food that was offered as a sacrifice. The Jewish culture processed eating food considered clean when it was prepared as kosher. You know, we all heard that, that word about kosher. And what it means is kosher is food prepared according to Jewish law. When an animal chews their cud, um, and what cud is, is it's like a form of regurgitation in the first belly, not the second or third to go into the excrement, but just the first belly where they chew on it. You ever seen a cow chew? That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're chewing their cud. That means whatever in their the body is, is, is just in that one area. It's kind of like, you know, and that that's what helps um, uh, to, to purify the food because they haven't went through the, the breakdown and the, the, the process of elimination. And the animals that chew their cud are, you have deer, you have sheep, you have goats, and you have antelopes. They are the ones that chew cud as well. But when we look at what Jesus says in Matthew 15, and uh, uh, the verse 10 and 20, he says, um, hear and understand. Not what goes into a man, into the mouth of a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This is what defiles a man. Jesus also continues in, to tell us that, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Again, that's, that's what he was, Jesus was explaining about the process of uh, processing and break down food for excrement. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, such as murder, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemes. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat which is unwashed hands does not defile a man. So Jesus was using another example when the Jewish uh, customs and the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to them saying, why don't they clean their hands? That this is one, another instance that Jesus had to reiterate, had to establish because he was the first one that said this. Paul was second in his intimation to the, the Romans. But Jesus wanted everyone to know it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles, it's what comes out of your, your mouth and what's coming from your heart is what defiles you. So later on, Paul begins to teach what the Holy Spirit revealed to him, the same understanding regarding food and offenses uh, that Jesus talked about by letting the saints know that it is not about what a person eats or drinks. Neither is it about trying to correct them harshly or publicly. It is about talking and encouraging them in love to be strong and cultivated when they are struggling with their vices. Cultivated means that you're, you're, you're being strong and you're encouraging them and you're trying to help them get better. That's what the cultivation means. Yeah, um, and that's what Paul was talking about at that time. Jesus told us in Matthew 7, 6, 1, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, to judge no one, but look at ourselves and examine who we are exhibiting to others when they see us. 
that's important. When we are first to cast the first stone or can we go to them and let them know that God is a restorer of joy and peace when they are seeking repentance and reconciliation? Paul says, let us live in peace and encourage each other in love. You know, the key takeaways that, that, um, that we can take from this, this chapter specifically are, if you see someone doing something wrong and it offends you, Go to them and love and talk with them. I mean, explain it, you know, talk to them and express to them that, hey, you know, this is something that that uh, I saw you do. It, it kind of offends me that you do that, you know. And you go to them and love. If you're yelling and screaming at them and fussing at them, then that person is going to build a wall up. They're going to become on the defensive, no matter who you are. It's all in your, your delivery where you are expressing yourself to others, you know, go to them and love and talk to them. And I, I guarantee you, someone would listen. They will pay attention to you and they would not uh, just dismiss you or become offended by what you said. And also do not cause someone to stumble in his or her faith because of what you are doing or what you are saying. So these are important. And the, the last one is if you believe something true or false, keep it between you and God. There is no need for public spectacle or shaming. Man, that is that is profound. So see, chapter 14, what I, I enjoy about this is because Paul is using the references to food and eats, you know, at that time they they had this big dispute about, okay, the Jewish people can only eat such and such and so-and-so, and the Gentiles can uh, eat almost everything. So Paul wanted to let them know that, you know, if you're going to someone's home and they are saved, they are believers in Christ, and say they eat pork or they may, may eat uh, chicken or fish, and they offer it to you, you know, you can you can decline it respectfully and say, hey, I don't eat that. But you don't have to get up and be voiceful about it and upset and say, man, you know, I don't eat that stuff. Why you give me that stuff? Or they say, I don't eat the pig. I don't eat the pig, you know, things like that. But you in that person's house, you know, you can respectfully decline some things and that, that, that will help come uh, the atmosphere between you and that other person. Also, when you think about it, we got to look at our walk. We got to look at our talk. We got to look at who we are as believers when we are presenting ourselves. Last couple of chapters, we talked about presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. And this is kind of the all-encompassing look of how we are presenting ourselves to others in the community. So when we're walking in love, when we're walking in, 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 in the beauty of God and the Holy Spirit, then we are casting out 
uh, illumination of hope and uh, illumination of joy that others would be able to see and say, man, what is it about you? See, that's what Paul want everyone to get to that place that you can agree to disagree that someone is doing something wrong or something that that a person might be doing that you might feel bad about. But, you know, Paul says, if it's something that they're doing, keep it to yourself and, and keep it between you and God. You know, and this culture today, we have this council culture and you have this shaming culture and all of those things. And does it really edify someone when you publicly shaming it? Does it really uh, uh, increase the kingdom? By, by everything, by those things that's, that you're exhibiting to them. So we want you to really, to, to, Paul really wants us to really get this because, you know, he, he reiterates that we're not supposed to judge. He reiterates that, that we're to live a, a, a life of a, a life of liberty. And, and when we're walking in liberty, what that means is, that we are walking free to trust Jesus. We are walking free to, to believe that our sins have been, been washed away by faith. And because we are released from that, we are released from eternal death. And that's the, the, the law of liberty that, that Jesus wants us to re reiterate and understand. And also there's a, another law, there's a law of love. And that law of love is love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And we hear that. That's the great commandment. That's part of the great commandment. That's what Jesus said, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and body. Those are the, the things. Because if you love yourself and you love your neighbor that way, then then how you treat them. And when you go to them, when they are weak, when you go to them, when they are, are failing to uh, exhibit the fruits of the spirit, or, you know, even when you meet somebody that has had a bad day and you know that they are a believer with you and they believe in Jesus and they go to your same church and, and you walk up to them, you say, hey, how you doing, such and such and such, or brother so-and-so, and they, what's good about it? What you talking about? They, you know, and they snap at you or something like that. That doesn't give you the, the open door to snap back because in love and in discernment to the Holy Spirit, you know, there should be uh, unctioning for you to go to them and love and say, hey, 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 what's, you know, you all right? Is everything okay? You know, and it gives them an opportunity to digress from, from that because everybody's going to have a bad day and everybody's going to do something that's going to fall short of God's glory. But it's not up to us as saints, as believers. I know I heard in the church circuit and stuff where they always say, you know, the church gonna judge the saints. The church gonna judge the saints. You know, that's not according to what we're talking about right now. Right now, we living in love. Now, when the church judging the church, when the church is judging the saints, that's at the day of judgment. So the day of judgment ain't here. The judge, day of judgment ain't here in 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 no realm of 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 the religious culture. What we're supposed to do is love on each other. What we're supposed to do is. Uh, 
not add bondage to people. Because when we start adding bondage to people, then they are the ones that can fall away. And Paul talks about that. He doesn't want us to cause a person to stumble. You know, and it says that, um, it says that in, I can't see the verse right now, but it says, um, if you see a brother, oh yeah, verse 21, it said, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. So see, you know, and I enjoy the way that Paul are using analogy of food. And a lot of people believe that, that this is, is, is literal, but you have to look at it in a, in a, in a figurative and a spiritual connotation in order for it to, plot, to apply for all things in our lives. You know, if a brother stumbles or is offended by what you do, then that's something that we have to give account for. We have to give account for that because we forced or made a person that may have looked up to you, made a person that may have thought highly of you and you did something wrong and and they stumble, they fall away and say, oh man, this, this Christian stuff, this saved stuff, I don't want no parts of it. All these people in there phony and this and that and other. And you know, I've heard people say that and they they sit on the park bench on Sundays and nobody, and then you ask them, hey, you know, you used to go to church, right? You don't go to church no more. Oh man, all them people in that church phony, man. I don't want no parts of them. They, they get, they, you know, all that stuff, you know, and they may have good just cause, but then you got to look at the root of it, you know, and, and my book, what I talk about, it shouldn't be in the church. That's one of those things is, is that we can't, we can't, allow people in the church to make other people in the church stumble because we are in all essence we are walking in self-righteousness where a person can't be redeemed a person can't be restored a person can't be uh repentive of if they fall short because you remember way back in the beginning when we talked that all have sin so we are always going to be sinners we are always going to make mistakes we're always going to fall short that's not up to us to make that person feel badly that's not up to us to make a person feel as if um they can never be redeemed or restored or, or anything like that. Because a perfect example is, is when Paul, when I'm sorry, when Peter denied Jesus three times. You know, the first thing he told Mary was to go tell Peter that I am redeemed. And the significance of that is he wanted Peter to know that in spite of what he did, in spite of his denial of Jesus, that Jesus still trusted enough and loved him enough to include him in the resurrection. So when, when we see that example, we should really be on, on 10 about how we are treating everybody, how we should love our neighbors and how if someone offends us, how someone is falling short, someone stumbles, that's what Paul wants everyone to know, wants us to know that we should always, always be in tune with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. You know, that first we are made free at Christ. That means our freedom at Christ means that we have the liberty 
We have the liberty to love in spite of. We have the liberty to not judge a person. We have the liberty to go to a person and and up, uplift them, encourage them, and edify them. You know, and that's important because um, the Lord led me to the, these next scriptures. Was in Ephesians four, I believe. Ephesians four, when it it talks about um, walking in unity. And when we think of Ephesians four, that's something that that we have to always consider. See, when we when we think of it from a from an apostolic perspective, or we think of it from uh, a theological perspective relating to doctrine, then we kind of get it kind of misconstrued because then we we begin to talk about the spiritual gifts, you know, and we start talking about how you know they appointed the gifts, uh, you know, the apostles, teachers, preachers, but you know. The Lord wants us to know that all those spiritual gifts and all those spiritual gifts that's that's put into the church are made for edification of all mankind, for each of us, especially for the body of believers. If we are walking in those offices and walking in those spiritual gifts, then those gifts are supposed to be able to help a person that are falling, or help a person that have fallen, to go to them and not not uh, condemn them. But in, in other words, we are to lift them up, restore them, and, and re renew them. Because we are all going to go down some route where we are going to fall short. And if anyone says that they're not going to fall short, or they are not going to sin, or, or they, they are so uh, in tune with their spiritual life that they can't, then all I can advise them to do is just keep living. <laughs> just keep keep living because it's gonna come and it's gonna happen. The thing is, what are you gonna do as an individual? Are you gonna sit and you're gonna still uh, feel that way? Or, or are you gonna repent? Are you gonna believe that Jesus is a restorer? It's because that's the one that really matters. Jesus is the one that really matters in, in our restoration process. The Holy Spirit is the one that really matters in our renewal process. You know, so uh, man is gonna always say what they're gonna say. Man's gonna do whatever they're gonna do. And, and that's just who we are. That's just who man is, you know, because we war with the natural and the spirit daily. So in our warring, we have to be cognizant to know that when we are walking in Christ and the temptation come and the fall comes, the restoration and the renewal is there. We just have to call out like uh, uh, David. David in Psalm 51, he says, uh, create in me a new heart and restore the right spirit within me. You know, he prayed that, that for repentance, he, he prayed that God would restore him, restore to the joy unto me. And God will give you that joy and that peace once you feel worthy of that joy and peace. See, because a man would love to keep you down there in your in your squatter. And a man would, would love to, to keep you in a place where you never feel as if God can restore you from whatever sin. But God is, is showing all through the Bible, all through scriptures, that he restores and he loves when someone comes to him. 
So I just think that Romans 14 is a powerful, powerful, powerful uh, chapter because if you get past the analogies of food and you get past the analogies of what Paul was talking that related to the people of that day, you know, pure and unclean foods and the differences that they came across, then you, you could really dig deeply in there and see, you know, that we could stop passing judgment on things that, that might offend us. We could stop passing judgment when we don't really fully understand what happened or why it happened. We have to really be aware. We have to really be understanding that it ain't about us. It's about Christ. It ain't about our, our being right in, in anything. It's all about presenting ourselves as ambassadors for Christ. And in that ambassadorship, it should lead to restoration and it should lead to peace with all mankind. So I'm gonna stop right there if anyone has anything to say. Well, yes, I, I wanna say something. We, now that we have a real good idea of this chapter and we can all pretty much relate to what we have experienced in church because we're not Jews. So church is, you know, where we learned about Christ and came to understand that we needed Jesus as our Lord and Savior and to be in the fellowship of a community of believers. We, we know that there have been many times where we have been looked down upon when we didn't show, show the church that we really were fully committed to coming to all of the um, new members classes, the different um, you know programs that the church wanted us to be a part of. So whenever we miss church, we know that we felt that we were stared at or mis or probably mistreated after that. And when you think about it, honestly, when you're in that kind of setting, you're kind of looked at like you're on trial. And everybody is watching your walk to see whether or not you are really serious about you want Jesus and you love him and you want to comply and fall in line with everybody else at church. When we know technically it's not the outward um, walk nor the, um, the, the things that man makes you feel like you cannot fall short on. Because see, we already come and messed up anyway. Our mindsets need to change. We need to really understand it's about a relationship and not about the outward fellowship so much because we're a whole bunch of, you know, heathens coming together, trying to understand who Christ is. Yet a lot of us and some of the church have gifts. So they exploit the gifts or they put the gifts out there and make you feel that they're holier than you when they're not any holier than you. And we can just see a lot of judgment that the Gentiles have done to one another. Yet we see here in this chapter is, is pretty much showing how the Jews were amongst each other. And they were even more terrible when the Gentiles came on board and got offered salvation. Mm -hmm. They wanted the Gentiles to become circumcised. They wanted the Gentiles to comply and follow all of the customs, the ceremonial laws, the moral laws, and the civil laws that Israel had learned to need to abide by. So 
Paul had to let the Jews know that the Gentiles, no way we were able, we would be able to perfect all of the 613 laws and still understand how we got grafted in. It was just too much, it was going to be too much confusion. So it really is beautiful to see how God's word sets us free. The word sets us free because it talks about the law of liberty and the law of love. Those are God's, God's eternal spiritual laws. They will be throughout eternity. He will give us that freedom to love him, the freedom to be free to love others and love each other. And God wants us to get this down into our hearts and into our spirits now and, and not look at each other and judge one another because, you know, we got it bad. We do, we have a bad, because even if we don't say something with our mouths, we thinking it and we feeling it underneath our breaths about certain things that Christians may do, or they may be on fire. One, when you see them two months, they was on fire and all of a sudden they lukewarm and, and then they out there partying. And somebody said, I saw them at the club. Then all of a sudden you start to believe that they, they weren't serious. They didn't love the Lord. But we always, what we truly know is that Christ is married to the backslider. And that meaning that he loved the Jews and the Gentiles. At that time, Paul wanted to establish that, that who are we to talk about uh, the Jews talking about the Gentiles because they were all God's children. And, and who are you to talk about another master's servants? These Christians and Gentiles are all God's servants. So to talk about the, the Jew versus the Gentile, here it is, we dividing up the body of Christ. We're dividing up the church. And that's what Paul wanted. He's showing what we today need to learn from. We need to get this understanding in us and not be a part of the problem, but be a part of the solution. Because he says the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, is peace, and is joy in the Holy Spirit. So if you got the Holy Spirit down on inside of you for real, you're going to be exhibiting righteousness. And righteousness is God's word based on goodness, based on doing right, living right, talking right. Uh, forgiving and, and and constantly letting that word sift through your heart to forgive people. And, you know, we can't all talk together at the same time. We can sing together. So if we ain't learning the word of God, how can we even come together and iron sharpens iron? You can't. You can't sharpen each other. So we have to really get into our minds to understand that we have to be somewhere plugged in, loving somebody, because we're going to need somebody to love us. And you want to love the Christians because God is telling us how to love and be among each other because in eternity he's not going to have this this prejudice and all of these you know is schisms and all this stuff that we down here see is going on which is man-made because it's about the flesh the flesh down here wants to take over and and cause everybody else to follow what somebody who got who got nominated to be in charge ain't nobody in charge paul was basically saying that only christ is in charge because he died for us. So we need to shift our minds and get off of all these rules and all of these um, judgments that we have placed <clears throat> inside of our hearts. I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. And when I say I'm guilty of it, it's on many levels. So when I say God, I say, you know, what he's saying is that 
don't be concerned about the, the unbelievers at this point in these subjects. Be more concerned about the Christians. He's talking about us Christians learning how to talk to one another, love one another, forgive each other, and say things in, in kindness. And if somebody has harmed you, have hurt you or offended you, we have to grow mature enough to say, text someone, call them, hey, I'm sorry, did I did I offend you? What happened? You know, don't be like later for that, that you know, you just want to quickly zoom by and be done with people. No, God is watching our ways. He wants us to stop and see and clean it up. See if it's something that we need to clean up, something we need to say. We don't have to be buddies and best friends, but we are among and have crossed one another's paths for a reason far greater than ours because people are needing love and they don't, they want love, but most folks, most folks don't know how to love. They want it. And they, they just, they in a position of wanting to take and receive, but we have to learn how to give it. We have to learn how love is not about material things. Love is about the thought of wanting to do something beautiful, something kind and, and striving towards keeping that that relationship going and thriving until we're in a position to even show that love in person. It, 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 no matter how, meaning COVID has caused a lot of us to hold back on the closeness and visiting and, and doing certain things. So there's ways to stay connected, stay connected to people who are good to you that love the Lord, because you're going to do, you like the Bible says, um, a righteous man prayers availeth much. That Amen. Means, if you pay attention to that verse, somebody who's living right, that's connected to you, can get a prayer through for you. You think you know how to always get a prayer through? That is self-righteousness. That's prideful thinking. We need somebody to help us push and keep pushing until the mountain has fallen. And we know what the Bible says, wherever two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, there he is in the midst. So he's saying... I'm like this, I'm trying to stay connected because I know that he's living right according to his, his desire, his hearts, his heart is in this, his heart is towards the Lord and his face and his everything he has surrendered. He's a man, he's followable, he makes mistakes, but I know on the foundation of what he's building on right now is his mind being shifted towards eternal life because we are leaving here and we can't be looking at the fact that we just gain in material things and we just want and God is answering those things. We got to lay our minds and our hearts towards the kingdom of heaven that's that's right over on the other side of this breath that we got. When, we, when we're gone, then we're on the other side for judgment and resurrection. And so the same spirit Paul says that was in Christ Jesus should be inside of us. And amen, I'm going to stop there. Amen, you could have kept going. <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen, I'm going to if anyone else has anything to say. Um, hey, you guys. I miss you guys. We miss um, you too. I appreciate Ms. Denise for the reminder because it definitely did slip my mind. <laughs> but I appreciate that. So um, I just want to say, you know, when Ms. Denise said that God is, he's watching our actions, he's not only watching our actions, he's watching, you know, our hearts too, because he already knows the the status and, you know, um, the stance of our heart and where the posture of our hearts are. And, you know, as you said, you know, the Bible calls us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It's something that I teach my kids all the time. Like, however you love yourself is how you're going to treat people initially. If you love yourself a little, you're going to treat people how you love yourself and care about yourself. Yourself. your attitude towards yourself is how you're going to give that to other people 
So that's why the Bible calls us to, when we love ourselves, we can uh, appreciate other people and give that love. We're able to give that love of Christ to other people because we see ourselves the way that Christ sees us. We love ourselves the way that Christ loves us, you know? And it was funny because I told Mr. Denise, I was like, you know, I'm, I'll be honest as soon as I give a word, you know, and as you said, you know, that was one of the scriptures that God gave me pertaining to my testimony. You know, we all have seen and fall short of the glory of God. So, you know, people, they look at it like, you know, once you fall short, there's no coming back from that. You know, and like you said, God is a God of restoration. He's a God that that's looking to redeem us when we do fall short, because, he you know, ultimately, when we come into this world, we're we're bound by sin. You know, we come into the world bound by sin. So, you know, we have to strive every day to live according to God's statutes, to live according to God's word, you know, so that we're strengthening ourselves that when temptation comes, we're not so easily led astray by temptation, you know. And so it was something that God impressed on my heart to like, you know, give my testimony about me falling back into fornication and being pregnant but despite that you know god was still faithful to his word he was still faithful to the promise that he hey he had given me about giving me a baby boy you know it was not in the way that i expected god to do it but you know that's part of the consequences of when you fall into sin you know ultimately you know we bring things about on ourselves because of the sin that we have committed so we, we have to know that God is, he's a just God and he's faithful to forgive us when we confess our sins, mm -hmm. when we um, have a heart of repentance, when we have a heart of forgiveness, you know, God is faithful to forgive us. He's just to forgive us, you know? And so I just appreciate that, you know, because like in the word, it says that, you know, we have to give a personal account for, to God. Mm -hmm. Each one to, to their own. They have to give a personal account to God for everything that they do in their life, you know, and we are so quick to condemn people because we feel like um, our sin is not as big as their sin, but it's all sin is the same to God. He looks at it the same way. He don't look at it any differently, you know, mm -hmm. and so as Miss Denise was saying, you know, the Jews, they wanted to, they felt like they were more superior than the Gentiles because they felt like you know, they were the chosen people. And so when God ultimately um, drafted in the Gentiles, they wanted to try to put all these regulations and these stipulations and things on, on the Gentiles when they wasn't even following them themselves, you know? So, and we're so quick to do that. We're so quick to say, oh, well, you know, these are the guidelines. These are the rules you got to follow in order for you to be a part of this church or for order for you to be a part of this ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the rules and the guidelines that you have to follow and abide by. And nine times out of 10, half of the people ain't even following the rules and the guidelines, but they want you to follow. Right. You know? And they try to hide the fact that they're not even living by them. So I can just appreciate, you know, Paul for, you know, his, his wisdom and, you know, his teaching, you know, and showing the Jews that y'all are not superior than the Gentiles. And because of y'all sins and because of y'all shortcomings is why God has now opened up the door to them, opened up the door for us, mm -hmm. you know, so I can appreciate that. Um, that's the loving God, yeah. you know, he still gave the Jews the, the chance to get themselves together. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
Amen. And to add to that, like Allegra and Mom was saying, um, no sin is bigger than the other. And we as people, we have to stop judging, stop looking down on each other and stay, come together and say, okay, well, you know, because we're human. We, we're going to mess up. Life is a process. No matter how old we are, you know, it's a learning process every day. So, you know, we can't just be so quick to say, hey, you know, you did this and that. Everybody is, is equally sinned. Um, the only thing we can do is encourage one another and mm-hmm. teach each other, come together and say, hey, well, instead of doing this, let's do some positive. You know, let's come together and, and like we're doing on this call, fellowship. You know, let, let's, let's just, we don't have to go to the club and we don't have to go out to drink and do all of this other stuff. We could do positive things together. We could uplift each other. We could pray for one another. You know, we could do all of these positive things. And and just like me and my friends, I love that we have, I'm not going to say a policy, but we have this thing as in no judgment zone. You know, because they give us an opportunity to come to one another and say, well, what you feel about this or how you feel about this. And we can actually be open with one another and share our opinions or what we have to say without judgment and then come together maturely and say, "Okay, well, I think this and I think that, but don't have no hard judgments or feelings about it, you know while we were talking about the situation and I feel like we as adults you know need to do that more often and just okay no judgments on let's just put everything on the chopping block and let's just be mature about it and see how we can turn this negative negative into a positive so us as us as Christians we need to um come together and do that more often and I just love that we as in us Christians on this call can come together and fellowship and be positive and have no judgment. So I really appreciate all of these um, discussions that we do have because it, it still bring us back to the root of, you know, God being forgiven and God, you know, um, just um, showing, you know, us his mercy and grace. So I, I just love these uh, to- topic topics of discussion due to this and just being um so open about everything so yeah amen amen i agree with with what everyone says and you know what you all said is so poignant to uh the the first four verses of chapter 14 and that's what paul was was explaining to them and i'm going to read this from First four verses from the NIV version, um, and maybe it'll, it'll help kind of bring it in a little bit more perspective. It says, accept, uh, accept the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling or disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt, the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. So see, that's the main thing that we have to understand. If God is for us, who could be against us, number one? And number two, 
if God has accepted us, meaning that we accepted Christ as our personal Savior, and we accepted uh, the salvation that Jesus has atoned for us, when we are in that instance for ourselves, we are going to make mistakes still because we are, you know, we are more human. We're not divine. So that means we can't fight it in war against us, the spiritual warfare that comes against us by ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to infill us and indwell us. When he is indwelling and infilling us from the foot, from the feet, all the way up to the head, as it, it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. When we have that whole armor of God, we're able to fight. That don't mean we're going we're gonna to win every battle but we got to at least fight, you know? So we have to always remember that this is a battle. This is a spiritual battle daily. The devil is always trying to steal, kill, and destroy us individually. Now, I'm not talking about the community of believers, the community of called out ones. I'm talking about the individual, the individual person that battles daily with different things. We don't, we don't need to know what your battle is. We don't need to know what your struggle or your vices are because like the Bible, like Paul says, God knows. God knows what it is. It's between you and God. So that's something that the reconciliation part and the renewal process have to begin between you and God first and the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit is, is fully, fully in, your life. And once you are fully submitted to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, see, we can be filled. And, and you know, and, and I talk about sometimes how sometimes the, the charismatic movement and all that it stood for has placed a false sense of security in the church because they, they see a person um, speaking in tongues, they see a person uh, you know, have the, the the gifts of the spirit, you know, and they see all those things and they believe that they are on this pinnacle, on this high pedestal of uh, revelatory, close to God, which by all accounts it should be, but we have to still understand that they are human as well. So they're going to make mistakes and they're going to have their shortcomings too. I'm saying that to say this, that you know, once you're saved, once you're sanctified, once you're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and that in fire as uh, the, some of the churches believe that that is your accountability for being saved. Once you're all those things, that's good and fine. But the workmanship of the Holy Spirit have to start and the submission to the Holy Spirit has to begin in order for you to start gaining the spiritual maturity that we talked about. Remember, we talked about the eight steps of spiritual maturity. Now, once you're infield, indwelled, and all of those things are going on in your life as a, as a person, now the process of maturity to, to being God's chosen, that's, what the, that's the process. And just like with Jesus in the Bible, he went into the wilderness to fast 40 days and 40 nights. And who came there? It wasn't Paul. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't none of them. It was the devil. The devil came there to tempt him, you know, in his, in his fast. 
So if the devil is going to tempt Jesus, the son of God, <laughs> the, the, the savior of the world, what makes us think us being infilled and indwelled with the Holy Spirit and baptized and speaking in tongues and rolling out on the floor and, and foaming at the mouth and, and doing all those things, that the devil is not going to tempt us and we might fall weak and we might fall short. And that's why we have to always go back. All have sinned and fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short. Don't judge me. Just pray for me. And that's the main thing. If, if you know you're going weak or you're weak in a certain aspect of your spiritual walk, then that doesn't mean that you are completely washed away. That doesn't mean that when people see you that in a state that you might not have been thought to be in, that you are condemned to hell. You know, because a long time ago, the people used to say, you smoking that cigarette, you going to hell. You, you watching movies, you going to hell. You wearing them pants, you going to hell. You wearing lipstick, you going to hell. You wearing, you not coming to church with a suit on, you going to hell. Women not having a, a dress up, a skirt up below their knees, you going to hell. You not wearing stockings, you going to hell. <laughs> you got fingernail polish on, you going to hell. I mean, you was going to hell for almost everything. But what we have to understand it, it ain't about the hour. It's about like what Allegra says, it's about the heart. It's about your connection, your spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, your spiritual connection and your willingness, your willingness and your submission, because everybody knows that we have struggles. And so that's not nothing new and especially not new to God. But if those spiritual things that you struggle with, that other people see you and they come to you and say, hey, look, what's going on? How are you doing? Is everything all right? Do you need help? Do you need prayer? Can we come together and I can help you, guide you through it. You don't have to struggle through this by yourself. And you curse them out. And you tell them you don't need their help. Or you shut them out. And then you out of order. <laughs> you completely out of order to be a, a man or a woman that, that, that's a believer in Christ. Because Paul is already saying, you know, don't judge him. And that person is coming to you in love. And you close the door on them. That's not the person's fault. That's your fault. That's Something wrong with your Holy Ghost. So that's what we have to kind of do. To re always remember when someone is weak and someone is going down a, a path that you see them going down a path, don't talk about it. Pray for them. If you go to them in love and sit down and talk to them, don't talk to them in a judgmental tone, but talk to them with a loving tone. And um, when you get to that place with a person, that tears down that stronghold first that the devil put in them. Because the devil will tell that person, look at you, you done did this, you done did that, you done messed up. Ain't nobody going to pay no attention to you. Ain't nobody going to love on you. Ain't nobody going to, you know, you, you just start, the devil start filling your mind up with so, all sorts of things to make you think that you are the worst sinner, worse than Judas. And that's not true because God is a restorer. God loves and God loves, like Denise said, God loves the backslider. And you might slide back, but just don't fall back. You slide, don't fall. Now, if you fall, then we, we got to get a, a couple more people to help lift you up and raise you up and restore you. You see, what our job is as Christians, as believers in Christ, is supposed to be to restore people when they fall. We are supposed to be 
the restorers of the breach, the restorers of the gap, the restorers of those that, that have fallen away. That's why the Bible tells us to compel them to come. That means we can't compel nobody to come when we're always looking at them pointing a the finger. We can't compel them to come to Christ when, because Jesus didn't compel people or point a finger at, at people when he came here on his earth. He stood and he talked in love. He preached. He taught the word of God. He taught what, what was uh, consistent with what was going on in the Old Testament to them so that they could believe it in a different way. So when you understand that Jesus' teaching, it culminated all of what the Old Testament was talking about. He just summed it up. That all of the, the 613 laws that the Jews was living by, if you read the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes sum up those 613 laws. The 613 laws was saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. But Jesus was saying, blessed are the man that does this for his ears. Blessed is the man that does this for his ears. So when we think in that context, then we'll start understanding our true role and our true nature as believers in Christ on this earth. It's not for us to point a finger. It's not for us to schism either. And the schism means that we don't need to have 500 different denominations, 500 different uh theories of um, salvation in order to be blessed because the Bible tells us a house divided will fall. So somewhere in that great divide of the denominational gaps, we need to find that commonality. And that commonality is supposed to be love. And that commonality is supposed to be Christ. That commonality is supposed to be bearing the, the struggles of the weak. That commonality is supposed to to allow the gifts of the spirit that God has given us to help others to understand who Jesus is. And that's what it's talking, that's, that's, that's so wonderful to understand that, that, that we are free to do that. We don't have to go back into the 613 laws and say, well, this person did that, this person did that, then you're not supposed to do this. Then this person did that and that person did that and you're not supposed to do that. Now you're governed by those laws, but we are free in Christ to go to that person and love on them and tell them God still loves you. God wants you to still come back. You know, those are the things that we're supposed to be talking about. That's the law of liberty. We're talking about grace and the difference between law and love. Um, there's a comparison, the comparison between law and love. And when we think about it, in the middle stands grace. The middle of law in that transition to love is grace. Because grace is what Jesus provided to everyone who believes in faith that he is the son of God and that his death is the atonement for sin. You see, it's crucial for us to believe that in our spiritual walk, because if there's no grace, then there can be no love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the grace part. But the law, you know, the law is what kills. Isn't that what you say, the letter kills? Yes, that's the law, the written law. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the spirit gives life. Yeah, so it, say that again, thank you. Um, it's in, I believe it's in Matthew. It talks about the letter killeth, 
and the spirit gives life because the law, the end of the law was destruction, was death. Mm -hmm. And Jesus came so that we can have everlasting life. So the Holy Spirit has, you know, he has changed us when we become born again by changing our spirit. And, and, you know, we become a new creature in Christ, a new man. And that person on the inside of us begins to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit, obey the Holy Spirit, which is part of the God, be it the, the Trinity. And he gives life. So the law, the 613 laws, we, we know what the consequences of that was. No man was found righteous. No man, no matter how many he tried to uphold. In James, it says, if you have kept 600, I'm hypothetically speaking, if you have kept all of the law, but stumbled in one, you have, you have failed, you have broken all the laws. So let's just let us know that we are fallible and we need a savior to save us because can't nobody, I don't care how much Bible you know, how much Holy Ghost you have, you don't know the way. We don't know the way. So therefore we must humble our hearts and submit to Jesus, submit to his word, submit to the Holy Spirit, because that's what the word of God, it, it is alive, it is breathing. But the law of the spirit is the Holy Spirit telling us that there's another kingdom. There's a spiritual kingdom that God wants us to lay hold of. And that's when he says, you know, the law killeth and the spirit gives life. And so we're, we're leaving here. And these bodies that we're in are going to die. And we will no longer have these earthly tents to endure and deal with in the future. We're going to have new bodies created in Christ. It's not a hocus pocus. It's scripture. It's throughout the, the, the New Testament. So we have to realize that, you know, don't get so comfortable and so content with how we feel about ourselves in the flesh and what we have con what we have gained as accomplishments, because all of that is, is going to go back to nothing but dust, nothing but dirt. And we are growing spiritually because there's a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that we are a part of. We're inheriting that because we are saints of God. And that's why this word is our bread. This word is our food every day. Every time we come together, it's a feast. And when we all share and we talk and we sharpen one another, it only goes to show you that, okay, we, we, we are connected in the, in the spirit because we don't have to be connected that we all start simultaneously speaking in tongues or prophesizing. That doesn't determine that. What determines that is that our understanding in God's word, and we all are coming through this, this journey, the narrow road, in, in great peace. Because God says, I leave with you peace. His word is going to give us peace because whatever just choices that we make in life, the ultimate thing that God wants us to understand, that peace, that word, that, that word peace that he gives us, is going to be peace in our decisions peace in our relationships. It's going to be warfare. It's going to be a battle to maintain that peace and keep that peace. But it's the peace that the world can't give you. And that peace comes with this understanding of the word of God, this wisdom. God's word is the wisdom that we need and the knowledge that we need to hold on to. So the Holy Spirit is the, the law of the spirit. He's teaching us and telling us what is laid out for us. And as we continue to, just like I believe it was Thomas, um, asked Thomas and I think Philip asked Jesus in John chapter 14, where is the where is the 
kingdom of heaven? Where is the mansion that Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you? And they wanted to know where it was. And Jesus was letting them know that, that he is the way. He is the truth and the life. So we got to get Jesus in order to find the way. And the Holy Spirit comes to tell us the messages that we need to know in the spirit so that we can find this, this mansion that God has made and prepared for us. And again, yes, the law killeth and the spirit gives life. Another thing, when, when I think about that scripture, there are so many people preaching the gospel and they follow all of the things that, well, they learn all of the things that we good Christians, born again Christians, I'm speaking that way, who are awakened from their dead state of mind, the carnality that mind that was guiding us. When people say, oh, you, you shouldn't commit adultery, you shouldn't do this. The law does say that. And that's, yeah, that's the law kills you. You know that because here it is, somebody knows the law and what they're going to do, they're going to keep telling you about that law that you broke. So the law is killing what? It's killing your spirit. It's killing your hope. It's killing the, the, the words that Jesus says that in, in, if you're in Christ, Jesus, you have eternal life. You have all of the promises that are in Christ, which are yes and amen. And so if I'm over here hearing my brother and sister telling me that I have committed this sin and, and, and it's written in God's word, right? Because it's the law. It's going to kill me. If I keep listening to them, I got to shift my mind and say, no, but I am in Christ because I'm born again now. I see my mind has laid hold of this. I've repented from that sin. I'm no longer doing that sin. I'm not going to stay in bondage because you know I sinned, because you know I committed adultery, whatever those things are. I have came to God. I said, God, I believe your word says this. This is what it's written. I'm sorry. I made a mistake, but I want you and I love you. And what God does, he pours his love and his spirit upon us, changes our heart and grows us in this Holy Spirit, grows us with the Holy Spirit in his word. And therefore he says, yeah, man knows the law killeth because he's going to keep hammering it over your head. But the spirit gives life. They don't know that the Holy Spirit came and visited you to the point that they seen him and they saw the evidence of this change. You have to know your own sanctified mind and have peace like Paul was saying. When you come together, if one of you eat meat and the other one don't eat meat, then don't offend the one that don't eat meat because his faith is weaker than yours. He can't sit there and, and get stronger by watching you eat meat. He's going to end up feeling like, oh my God, he's going to feel like that's detestable to him. That's unclean to him. But what God wants us to do is come together in order and in peace. So if I know that my sister... Um, Okay, I'm going to put it like this in the world sense. If I know my sister is so saved and love nothing but gospel music, I'm not going to play my jazz around her. I'm just not going to play my jazz. And guess what? My jazz ain't telling me to go get a man. My jazz ain't telling me to go smoke a joint. My jazz ain't telling me to curse God out and die. My jazz is music that makes me feel calm, makes me feel relaxed sometimes when I want to go to sleep on something nice. It don't have to be worldly jazz. It can be gospel jazz. But that still might be too much um, carnality for my sister who just loved gospel. So my thing is, is that know when to show someone the things that you should just kind of keep sometimes to yourself. Those are personal intricacies about you. And, and there are certain pleasures and things that God watches. He's looking at your heart. He knows ain't nothing wrong with that because you ain't getting ready to serve Satan. You ain't getting ready to denounce him and die. So, but, but someone that's so saved, so sanctified, I'm saying, 
like more saved than others when I say so saved, got more understanding of God's word, more Holy Ghost. They want to sit there and, and judge you because what? The law killing and the spirit gives life. So that's what I love about God. He already knows our names. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He is. He knows how much gray hair we, we have and what we will have. And so what's beautiful about him, he says, we need to learn, like David said, how to number our days. Know what's important every day when you wake up. Have that wisdom to not do plan out everything in your life from this stage to that stage, to that stage. We don't know Jesus may come back tomorrow. We don't know Jesus may call one of us tonight. We need to know that this word right now that's in our midst, that we love him. We want this inside of us. This is what we have chosen. And we are showing up because we want it to be others to see our witness that we have accepted Christ. If you ain't nowhere studying the word, you ain't participating, encouraging nobody in the word, then really you have people, they have fallen away because God, God already sees where they are. They're not showing up for more. They're not showing up to say, um, I want you, God. Connect me to the people that want you too, that I get along with, that I can't get along with. They're, everybody's not set up to be with everybody who's a Christian. Paul couldn't go out with certain people and hang with them. He had to get developed differently, you know, because of his past experiences. So God already knows the journey that we all need to follow to hear his voice. He said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice and what they follow me. So I love the fact that that scripture says the law killeth and the spirit gives life because it shifts my mind to the spiritual kingdom that God has laid out for us over in the new Jerusalem. And it's all spiritual because we're going to have new spiritual bodies. And all of these things are getting us prepared, getting our hearts and our minds ready for these blessings and these rewards to come. And I'm telling you, this is life and death is, is a twinkling of an eye. Like they said out there on the freeway, those white lines. It's just a it's just one line between life and death. If you cross over the wrong time at the wrong time, you gone. You out of here, out of this earth suit. So we have to pay attention to stay in our lanes and get the food and eat the food that God has laid out before us and get digest that so that He can say, Okay, are you ready for promotion? You ready for leadership? Okay, now you understand what love thou neighbor means. You understand that there's law in Christ, the, the law of freedom in Christ Jesus. That means that don't go among people that's the religious and start telling them what they're doing. They're they just too religious for you. And they and they they want Jesus. They love Jesus because they're his people too. He's working on everybody how he want to work on everybody. So all we got to do is go among people with peace, hold our tongue, and just be kind to people, show love, and do good when you see there's opportunity to do good. And when you ain't, you know you don't belong there, then keep on moving on down the road. Like he said, you know, he knows how to draw us. We following him. That's who we follow. We ain't following religion. We ain't following groups. We ain't following um, um, denominations. Denominations. We're not even following um, just per se the black church. We are following Jesus. And we are learning and wanting to know his will for our lives every day. Amen. 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 So I'm going to leave you all with this. We're going to kind of wrap things up. But, but um, I was looking at Ephesians 4. And what I understand about Ephesians 4 is it's a it's a mandate for us. It's a mandate for us as believers. Now, we know that our neighbor might stumble. We know that these things might happen in our lives. But, you know, Paul also was talking to them 
to explain how we should uh, conduct ourselves. And this is this is scripture. This is gospel. This is what um, what he said. And I'm so I'm not I'm not saying it. I'm reading it from the scripture. So don't get mad at me. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm, I'm strict, strictly going straight with what is said in the Bible, Ephesians 4.20. So now I'm just going to read it because I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to reiterate on it. I'm just going to read it so that you all can understand what Paul said and put it in a context toward what we were talking about today. When those are weak, we are to help those that are weak. We are to pray for them. We are to be for them. We are to, you know, lift them up and encourage them. Um, but, but this is what he says. His, uh, Ephesians 4th chapter 20, 20th through the 32nd verse. It says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning old former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God and truth, righteousness, and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I could drop the mic if I needed to. If I had one, I'd drop the mic and say, okay, that's, that sums everything up. Because this, this is everything that, that Paul is telling us how to conduct ourselves, how to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, how we're... Uh, supposed to be examples in the world. We're not supposed to judge or be that person or that type of Christian or that type of believer. We're supposed to, you know, follow these things so that the, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, isn't upset with how you conducted, how you handled things, because the Holy Spirit in you is supposed to lead and guide you into all truth. And if he is leading and guiding you into all truth, then he will give you discernment. He will give you the right words to say, the right, right ways to, to handle a situ situation so that it edifies that other person. 
So with that, I'm going to open up the floor if anyone has anything to say. Uh, but Ephesians 4, please take the opportunity to read it because it's, it's very, very uh, profound. And it's very, very needed, especially today as it helps us to grow. Anyone has any closing remarks? Amen. So I thank you. God bless you all for joining us tonight. I thank you that you all have taken a time out and I pray that something that we said or discussed um, have reached your heart and by it reaching your heart that you're able to go out and share it with others. We thank you and God bless you all. And we love you all so much. And we're gonna close out with a word of prayer from Denise. Father God, we thank you for allowing us all to come together to hear your word tonight. We pray that you will forgive us for all of, for all of our sins. We want you and we need you. You know what's best for us. And we pray, oh God, that you will continue to clean up our minds and our hearts so that we will have your thoughts and your words written inside of our hearts and um, also in our minds. Lord, we are coming humbly, Lord God, to ask you to help us. Help us in every area that we are weak in, Lord. Lord, help us to understand something on these calls so that we can continue to eat it and allow it to build us up so that we can be men and women of God and that we will be lights in dark places, Lord, in this earth. Lord, you know how you are working in us and how you're trying to creating us this new man and build our character to be pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray that you will not let any of us fall by the wayside, nor be left behind for any reason of our own, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would take over our will, take over, Lord God, and guide us and show us the way to go, because we all want more than anything eternal life to spend with Jesus and to be among the angels and all of the beautiful things, Lord, that you have in store for us and for others who are on their journey and those who have crossed over to be with you. Father, I pray that you would always hear our cries and our prayers when we are in trouble. And Lord, I thank you for letting us know that the 99, you already knew where they were, but that one, you continue to go search for that one, it, that one sheep that went astray. It, you cared so much. And Jesus, I thank you for your blood. I thank you, Jesus, for just showing us that the, all the power and everything that we need, you have it. And Jesus, I thank you for food on our tables and our cupboards and our bills being paid, clothes on our backs and shoes on our feet and our children well. Lord, I pray that you will continue to impart your, your love, your Holy Spirit in us and not depart from us, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would continue to show us how to be good children and be pleasing in your sight. And Father, we will be forever grateful to come back together once again alive next week and lifting up your name, Jesus, and glorifying you because your blood cleanses us, your blood has marked us, your blood has saved us. And we are putting all of our hope, all of our faith eternally into you, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So God bless you all and thank you all, Toya, Marcel, Allegra, 
Keisha, I thank you all for joining in and we bless you all and we thank you and you all have a blessed night. Remember that we are available, email, text, whichever way you want. We are available. We love you and thank you all. God bless you. Amen. I just have one question. One question. Is there any cake left? I just want to know. Yes, it's a little bit. You want a piece? Wow. Okay. That's all I, you know, so I just want a piece. The yellow and blue is available, but the uh, German chocolate is plenty. It's It's nasty, though. Wow. It's gone. G-O-N-E. Gone. Thanks for keeping it real, Thomas. Just say it's gone. Thank you. I just, Denise is being very nice with it. She's like, well, you know, no, it's gone. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Y'all have a good night. Good night. You too. You too. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.